One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You are listening to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Inside F1, part of the Missed Apex Podcast Motorsport Network. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and today we had a very special recording as Joe Sayward popped in live to the shed. You might notice that my audio will sound a bit different when talking to Joe. That's because I gave up the shed studio to him. We fully sanitized it, cleared it out so Joe could pop in and talk to us. I was relegated to my son's room and I spent the interview with train tracks around my feet and wading through general toys and clutter on his desk. It was an odd setup, but it was worth it to have Joe live from the shed And because I'm a super awesome interviewer, the first thing I said to Joe was, hello, here's how he responded. Hello, how are you doing? Well, I know how you're doing, actually. It's time for senior to social distance. Yes, we've just chatted. Joe, how are you finding the shed? And importantly, can you confirm finally that it's a real shed? It is a shed. It looks like a beach hut, actually, if the truth be told. But it is a shed and it's got lots of um, foam rubber. Is that what it's called? called acoustic foam. Oh, acoustic foam, sorry. Um, it's got lots of acoustic foam and a thing that says the shed on it. So it is actually a shed and it's a, it looks like a recording studio actually, but not that I know what recording studios look like very much. Exactly like that. It's a bit spit and sawdust, Joe, but it's the best we could do. Uh, and that's why I sound dead good and why now you sound better than I do. Uh, so I hope you're comfy uh, in my chair mm-hmm. and uh, we can discuss some F1 if you're, if you're game. Yes, absolutely. I'm always game. So we, I ask people for questions because it's easier than having to think of them myself. Um, now, a lot of them, predictably, are going to centre around the, the pink cars and the whole racing point situation. But first, K Snipe Snape said on Twitter, was it worth attending the British Grand Prix and did you get much info from attending? It was worth attending the British Grand Prix as much as it was worth attending the last three Grand Prix, um, which means that I didn't get any um one-to-one information really from anybody because I'm not allowed in the paddock. I did actually ask the FIA if I did a COVID test every day if they'd let me in the paddock and they said no. But I think that was because COVID tests cost them quite a lot of money. Um, But no, we're not allowed in. So basically my view on that is uh, I'm going to keep going to the races just to be there to um, so people know I'm there, to be honest. I think that, you know, if you're going to be serious about being Formula One, you should try and be serious about it. So I'm going to go until they start letting me in the paddock again. Um, right now, it's not it's not costing a lot of money, to be honest, because we're in Europe and it's just driving. So um, And hotels are cheaper than chips all around Europe because nobody's staying in them. And uh, so it's just, it's and you know, what am I going to do? Stay home and fall off ladders. So basically, I think um, if it's safe, I don't know if it's safe or not, but I'm yeah, you know, I'm a fatalist by nature. What happens, happens. So um, I don't even worry about that. So I'm just going to the races until somebody lets me in the paddock. 
Um, and I can still contact people using telephones and emails and smussies and all these other things that I don't necessarily know the names of. But, um, you know, I can have sort of quiet conversations with people if I need to, which I do. Um, but it's not quite the same. You don't get the same electronically as you do face to face. That's that's certainly true. No, obviously that you're losing that human element, but you're still you're still there and you're still one of the kind of the elite uh, of F1 media and the teams do still need you. They still want to get things out. Well, I hope so. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, we are a little bit in, in the modern age, we are a little bit like blacksmiths. To be to be fair, because everybody they all want you know they're all paranoid, not paranoid. They're all uh, absolutely obsessed about television, and they don't realise that actually there's still lots of people who read paper things. Um, although you know it seems that the number of people who are able to read is diminishing fast. So um, I don't know. We'll have to see. But um, yeah, they need us to tell the world about what they're doing, and actually they need us uh, to be to believe them. You know um, because. Uh, the people who've been around a long time have followers, and the followers believe what they say. Um, you know, as long as they're not complete idiots. Uh, and there are a few of them in the press corps, it has to be said. But, you know, people have reputations of being um, someone to trust. And uh, so it's quite important to have those people around um, to, to, to sort of give it some credibility. Well, if we could go straight on to the meat, I think, of what everyone wants to know if you've picked up on is the, the Vettel situation. I'll, I'll quote the tweet that's been doing the rounds from Alejandro uh, at motorsport underscore geek, who said the latest rumours say that Racing Point are appealing to the CRB to settle Checo's exit and make way for Seb. One possibility is that they strike a deal with another team, most likely Alpha or Haas, to offer Perez a seat. Now, Joe, I was really hoping that this was all going to be a terrible rumour and go away, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be going away. No, it's not going away, and there's clearly things happening. Um, they're all saying the right things in public. Uh, Racing Point are saying, we'd never break a contract. Well, they're not going to break it per se. They're just going to say to Perez, we don't want you, therefore uh, we have to find a settlement. I would call that breaking a contract myself, but um, legally it's not. So I think what's going to happen first is... Maybe they've got some idea of how to break the contract. Maybe there's a break clause in the contract. We don't know because contracts are not um, public information. And the CRB, you can't really appeal to them. The CRB's job is just to read contracts and then the, the judges say, judges, the, the lawyers involved say, this is what the contract means. So they basically, they, they don't know the numbers in the contracts, but they do know... The, the terms and conditions. So if there's a clause, there's a break clause, um, you know, th there may be something. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. Why would you need the CRB? Um, there could be a break clause, for example, that says um, you have to score so many points by August the 1st. Now, this year, the championship didn't begin. So um, therefore, you, you know, that clause would, would declare the contract invalid in an unfair way. There are things like that that could be the case. We don't know, and we never will know, because the CRB is a confidential. Everybody involved is 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 uh, they have to be. Um, they're, they're not allowed to even mention its meeting. So um, everything it does is basically secret, and everybody agrees to abide by their decisions. Now, if the CRB says that Racing Point can't um, kick. Perez out, then they have to reach a financial settlement in which he agrees to leave. If he doesn't agree to leave, um, that's not a good situation to be in because he knows the team doesn't want him. So fundamentally, if you're in that situation, the best thing to do is to get as much money as possible. And the other thing is that most driver contracts um, in, in the sort of you know, third set of clauses, uh, the team will provide the driver with a car. Now, doesn't necessarily doesn't say in the contract that car will be a racing point. So they could do a deal with Haas and or Alfa Romeo, um, and just sort of sign the contract over to the other lot. That's a possibility. But again, as we we don't know the terms and conditions of Perez's contract. However, it's worth saying that Perez's manager is Julian Jacoby, who is one of the most experienced Formula One um, managers. Uh, he was the, ma the manager of Senna and Prost at the same time, and uh, he's a he's a very smart lawyer, 
and he's been around the block a million times in Formula One, so they're not going to pull the wool over his eyes. And he will he will make sure that Perez gets looked after as as much as is humanly possible. And Laughing Larry, otherwise known as Lawrence Stroll, um, is going to have to get his checkbook out. I fear, uh, not that his checkbook is necessarily a big problem for him because he's got a very very big checkbook. Um, but he's also got a very, very big bill at the moment. It's called Aston Martin, the car company, which is not doing very well. So he obviously doesn't want to be wasting too much money. But I think I think from his point of view, he probably looks at it and say, how much money will having Vettel bring? <laughs> I can see you don't think the answer to that is very much. But um, Vettel, has, Vettel is a four-time world champion, and he has a name that's globally known. The fact that he's not driving as well as Charles Leclerc is neither here nor there. Kimi Raikkonen's got a globally known name, but he's not driving very well either. But, you know, this is this is where we're at. Um, and Vettel's value is in that. Now, it, Vettel can honestly say, I haven't decided yet, but he must have said something to them to make, to make it worth their while to investigate uh, clearing the way. And it, it, this, that's clearly happening. You had to look at the way Perez was behaving in... Uh, in Hungary, he was, it was a man who'd just sort of been hit by something, you know, a sort of aerial torpedo has hit his career at a time when he's just coming back. He was up the top once before in 2013 with McLaren. It all went wrong. He's fought his way back. He's got himself into a position where he potentially has a winning car. Brackets in his hands, but not in the hands of Lance Stroll. And um, basically, uh, he's seeing it being taken away. And I can see he would be very, very disenchanted by that. And therefore, his primary motivation in that particular case would be right. If they're going to screw me, they're going to pay for it. So he will get as much money. And it won't just be, you know, we agree this much salary because they're damaging his career too. So there would have to be some kind of uh, settlement, I think, for uh, damage to the career. I certainly would expect Jacoby to argue that one. But we'll never know all these details. That's the glorious thing about it. We just don't know. Um, how it will pan out, and when it has panned out, they won't tell us. It's um, you know, a lot of people will be thinking, you know, poor Checo, poor Sergio Perez, um, having saved the team effectively by helping them go into administration. I don't know the if that's necessarily true. It is. But- it is absolutely true. He took them into administration to stop a winding up order, and a winding up order is trumped by an administration order, and that's what he did. The minute the winding up order went in. He came in with an administration order and that saved the team. So he did do that. So any kind of loyalty, though, would be to the the old staff there, the people in the paddock, the the, the team members. Everybody, Lawrence, everybody who's there apart from Lawrence Stroll. <laughs> Lawrence Stroll obviously doesn't, doesn't feel any loyalty to him. I just can't help but feeling terrible for him, given that he went through all that, given that he's had great results and great performances. I know I'm a bit biased. Great results, great performances in the midfield, fighting, scrapping, clawing. Finally, uh, that team has a car that's right up at the top end of the grid, uh, and now he's going to be tossed out on his ear. It 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 feels it's it's gut wrenching. Yeah, I agree. It, I mean, I I think it's. Uh, I don't know if you can use the word moral in relation to Formula Formula One, but fundamentally, it, it's a pretty. Uh, unpleasant thing to do i can understand why they would do it because vettel a vettel doesn't become available every other day and it's hard to argue that vettel is um a worse driver than perez we'll see over time you know vettel is is certainly not as good a driver as charles leclerc at the moment but um that doesn't mean that you know he's he's a bad choice and the the marketing value in selling aston martins as well because germany is the second biggest market for aston martin so you know there are there's all kinds of things um, that that make it a logical thing to do, but it is brutal, absolutely brutal. And I would say, as a, as a as a punter, as as opposed to a a Formula One person taking my cynical hat off, I would say it's not morally right. However, putting my cynical hat back on again, I'd say that's Formula One. That's what happens, uh, and it's business. You know, um, and I'm sure that. Lawrence Stroll will be saying to Perez, it's not personal, it's business. But that doesn't help. <laughs> no, and how do you motivate yourself after all that build-up to then go to, well, we're talking about two of the three slowest cars on the grid now as his potential alternative seats. It's going to be incredibly hard to motivate yourself from there. No, and no, I, and no I, I don't think it'll be hard to motivate yourself once you're there. 
what's going to be hard is for him to motivate himself for the rest of this year to help Racing Point, because why the hell would you? Apart from the fact they're going to pay you a large sum of money. Um, you know, to, to go out there and, and, and take risks, he's not going to be doing that in a hurry, is he? Uh, right, well, let's go to another listener question. I, I hope you're keeping an eye on the live stream. Joe, on your right-hand monitor, you can see the comments flying by. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, can't, I can't do everything. I'm not that clever. I can't walk and chew gum at the same time, you know. But when I talk about our mythical chat room, who join us by searching for Missed Apex podcast on YouTube, these are the people I'm talking about. These are the people who, who join us as our, our, our extra third panel every time we do an Inside F1. Mm-hmm. I, I am reading them. My glasses just about manage that. So. Okay, well, I'll go to the Twitter questions. It is hard for me to do uh, this in different locations and watch the chat room, I'm afraid, live chat. Um, but uh, Matt Perry asks, what is the likely outcome of Renault's protest against Racing Point. Dun, dun, dun. Weren't we meant to know by now? It was possible that we could know by now. Not nice. we weren't meant to know by now. Uh, they, the Racing Point had three weeks to put in a dossier um, after the first protest. The first protest was in Styria, which was three weeks ago. So they were supposed to put in a protest. Sorry, they were supposed to put in their dossier by last week. I think. And then it's a matter of when the FIA stewards from Styria get together again, probably on a Zoom conference. All the other protests since then, there have been protests at both other races, including Silverstone, will all be judged by the same set of stewards. And they will just conclude whether or not uh, the the car is legal or not. The FIA technical um, department has said it is, but it's up to the stewards to, to, to agree or disagree. So we'll see. I, I think personally that they will say, yes, it is legal um, because, you know, the FIA technical department has been into the car in great detail. What that means in terms of the philosophy of Formula One design in the future is quite interesting. Um, but I don't think there's anything really in there that is um, revolutionary. I mean, copying other people's cars has been part of the sport since the very beginning. It's just the means of copying that is the question. Now, in the modern day and age, uh, there are so many ways of doing it. The only thing you're not allowed to do is to take a disk with the data on it. However, you know, what's the difference? If you have a scanner that does CAD-level quality scanning of a rival car, is that the same as getting a disk from the team? Some would argue yes, because it's basically the same to a millimeter. Because And the scanners these days are that good. Uh, and every team has them, by the way, because they use them for quality control. They scan every part, and every part has to match every other part. That's why you don't have any of these sort of, you know, people sort of filing and soaring bits of car anymore, because everything fits perfectly first time because of these verification tools. But if you apply the verification tools to a rival car, you effectively have the other person's design. Now, you can re-engineer it once you've got that you can't you can't engineer the actual um parts and build them in the same way as the uh, necessarily as the uh, as the original car and you certainly don't know what's going on inside underneath the, you can only you can only scan the external element you can't scan the internal so you know it's it's really just a very clever thing to do and they've done it very well the other thing is if you're going to copy you have to understand how it works uh, because it's no good copying if you don't understand what it is you're you're doing. So they've got a bunch of clever engineers who've got a clever philosophy, and the FIA is convinced that it's okay. And we'll see what the knock-on effect of that is in the longer term. Will more people copy others' cars? Maybe, maybe. I, I, I it, to me, it, it strikes it from a technical point of view. It strikes me as a very, very hard thing to do. Everyone's going, oh, you've just copied it. It, it, it strikes me that. Actually, you'd have to be a really good outfit with yeah. incredible resources to be able to do that. Well, it's reverse engineering, isn't it? Fun- fundamentally, you have to be clever to be able to do it. You can have measurements, um, uh, or you can certainly get um, impressions. I mean, we have also, you know, photographs. Uh, all the teams have got databases of photographs of the other people's cars. It's just part of the, ba- the, the, the game. And nowadays, with, with some of the software that exists, you can actually turn 2D into 3D. Um, Again, which is extremely clever software. I have no idea how it works. But um, you can do that. And I think you know, this is one of the 
why people are saying it's a question of philosophy, because when you have copying techniques that are so advanced as they are nowadays, um, what's the difference between that and getting the disc handed to you with all the data on it? In fact, there's no such thing as just one disc, let's be honest. Yeah, you know, these things are broken down into all kinds of discs to stop you know, security-wise. But And everything's doubly and trebly encrypted. Actually, I did an article a few years ago on um, software security in Formula 1. Absolutely fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Um, and it's very, very hard to just go in and, and sort of download things. Um, there was somebody who tried to do it, who was leaving Mercedes to go to Ferrari, I believe. Um, and was trying to download stuff uh, and actually managed to get somebody to um, log, to, to use someone else's login, he managed to get a mate of his to give him the details. Uh, and then he managed to get it onto a phone and text or whatever it was, um, some, of the, some of the stuff, but he got caught. Um, and, and, you know, this, so their, their security is really good. And, you know, this is high-level um, encryption and the ability to, you have machine codes, first of all, when you, if you, if you work at Mercedes-Benz, you have a machine code, you have a personal login code, and then there's a, another one, which I'm not sure I understand how that one works, but there are, there are three codes, and then there are creepy crawly things that go around the software, um, looking at all kinds of uh, suspicious downloads and things, uh, and it flags them, um, and I'm sure it's the same with other teams as well, so, you know, uh, just sort of imagining you can get another car design on a disc uh, isn't that easy. And the team's not going to give it. I mean, the key point here is that Mercedes-Benz is not going to make a corporate decision to hand it over to Racing Point. No. It's as simple as that. They're just not going to do it. Um, and, yeah. and so basically, even if they have, I mean, they haven't, but even if they had been handed discs and all the data on it um that would still be provable and and we've had that in the past too toyota had some people who gave the stuff to ferrari and uh, that was found out and the people actually got into trouble big time not just sporting trouble they got into legal trouble in italy and actually i think received jail sentences even whoa okay well we don't want any of that um, i'm hoping that the shed studio hasn't become a hot furnace jail for you, Joe. How, how's the temperature in there? It does no, get very it's fine. It's fine. Nice and comfortable. Just to remind you, Joe Saywood is physically in the little blue shed somewhere south of Bedford, um, podcasting live from our studio. Very exciting to have Mr. Saywood here. Um, and we have some questions lined up from you good folk on Twitter and in our Patreon Slack group as well. Uh, Joe, if you look over to your right, you will see... Uh, uh, your your bathroom books just casually adorned into the shed. Uh, your fascinating F1 facts. I've moved them from the bathroom where <laughs> into the shed environment for you. Um, and also uh, feel free to help yourself to a missed apex hat uh, on the right hand side too. Indeed, uh, so I rather like the New York Yankees one. Though. You need to go and you know, no, no, that's mine. That's a present from Matt. Actually, Matt gave me that one. Um, well, so it's, we- a, it's a good team to support. So we expect to see the Mist Apex hat stalking uh, Ted's pit walk in, in the near future. Yeah, when, uh, we're, when we're allowed back on again, yes. Joe, you're far too straight. Um, I am going to do my best Matt Trumpet's impression now. And um, uh, I saw a tweet from uh, Automotor und Sport, and it's, uh, I've forgotten his name, Gruner, Tobias Gruner. Is mm-hmm. that the one? Yeah. yeah. Um, the language he used was interesting because he said that Racing Point have admitted uh, buying the the brake drum, which is the focus of the protests, from Mercedes in 2019. Now, admitted makes it kind of sound like... But they were allowed to. Uh, right. So uh, clear up a little bit of that confusion, because the protest is all based around that. The, the biggest question I have, Joe, is did they ever race that, that, that brake drum? I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Um, but basically, they were allowed to buy the brake ducts last year. Um, and then since then, uh, it has become a listed part. So there is a, a question of whether or not they're allowed to use something from last year's car, which was legal, on this year's car, which in theory makes it illegal. But again, this is one of these philosophical questions more than a, uh, you know, they all they did was, um, if they used it, they used something they were using last year already. 
Yeah, and that sort of makes it a bit more defensible, doesn't it? If they if they already had it, it doesn't. It doesn't because a brake um, duct is not just a thing for cooling brakes. A brake duct is an aerodynamic, a very important aerodynamic aid in the current era. Um, the shaping of it um, has a, an effect throughout the whole car. So um, I think that there is an argument there that it's performance related, and I think that's why it's become a listed part as well. Listed part means that you can't sell it to somebody else but you could last year so it, it is a wildly complicated um uh, and, and of course it, nobody really wants to talk about it much either uh, and the other thing is we can't just go and talk to them we have to sort of do it on zoom conferences and stuff like that where other people want to ask questions i mean it was really interesting in the in the press office on sunday uh the man from the sun was getting wildly upset about people talking about uh tire compounds because he doesn't care about tyre compounds. He wants to know whether or not Lewis is going to take the knee or some other stupid thing that is considered um, used by his organisation. The, the problem with the media is it, it's this great big rainbow from uh, one side to the other with completely different demands. And so everyone gets... You know, if we start going into the philosophy of Racing Point's design, um, there, there's going to be a bunch of people who are going to be screaming, going, this is not what we want. We want to know whether Lewis was off shagging some model, you know. Or whatever. So what you're saying is you don't press as one. You press as no, separate. No, no. We, we, the trouble is that we're not divided up. With Zoom conferences, you're, not designed, you're, you're all in it together. Um, and, you know, it's just a matter of basically uh, who talks loudest, I suppose, or um, uh, who's, who's most insistent. I don't do an awful lot of questioning because I, my view is that why on earth would you ask questions and give everyone the answer? <laughs> Because, you know, I want to have answers for myself. Um, and I don't, you know, one of the first things my very first editor 30 odd years ago said to me is never ask a press question in a press conference. Because why the hell does everyone else need to know the answer? If you want to know the answer, go ask the people. And so this is why we're in a funny situation now, because I can't go in the paddock and do what I do. Um, whereas other people who don't go in the paddock so much are just doing what they normally do. Although it's a bit more pronounced because they're not going into the paddock to get free food <laughs> you know it, it is um there are some people who, who rarely go into the paddock from the press office they just sit there and they listen to things and they answer you know go to the press conferences and so on so some people's jobs haven't changed a great deal i i tend to think of that as a bit like sort of copy typing not very interesting um i'd much rather be in the paddock lurking behind the buses <laughs> and trying to you know ambush toto wolf and I did send Toto a, uh, an email the other day sort of saying um, anything you want. And he sent back a photograph of him with the uh, email on his little iPhone or whatever it was, laughing. And, and it basically said, go away. We don't want you anymore. Uh, we don't need you at the moment. We don't want you. Go away. We're quite happy without you. Um, and just, well, I'll get him back when I'm back in the paddock. I shall, I shall be lurking where, where he least expects it um, every time. So there we are. Are you, uh, while we're on this, um, because my mind went to, you know, normality and uh, various attempts from various states to go back to normality, and not that I'm, I'm looking to rush it, um, but are we expecting a, a Spanish Grand Prix? Are, we, are we, we expecting Barcelona to go ahead? As of today, at whatever time it is, yes. Um, the, the, it's fairly clear that the Formula One group is not going to back off unless they have to. It's fairly clear that the Catalonia government is not going to back off unless they have to. But what would really throw a spanner in the works is if the French close the border, because there is no way in the time available for Formula One to get everything to Spain. Now, you may think, oh, they just stick it on aeroplanes. Well, switching from trucks to aeroplanes is a lengthy business. There's lots of parts to go into boxes and boxes to go onto planes. And the other thing is, all these... Um, boxes are built for 747s and do you know how easy it is to find a 747 these days really easy no oh the opposite okay yeah, well the, it's very hard to find any freight planes at the moment but the 747s are a dying breed and so formula one needs in the future to actually have all its boxes redesigned to go into another plane um but you know that's not something that's going to be done in the immediate future it needs to be done for the big freight planes of the future um the only other way of doing it would be to try to get the trucks onto boats to Spain. Now, there is a, a Santander ferry and there's a Bilbao ferry. And there are three of them a week. I think they take 24 hours to get there. 
they're not very big. They didn't have a lot of trucks on board. Formula One, with everybody else in the circus, is 300 trucks. So, uh, and the first one after Silverstone, uh, Silverstone on Sunday coming up, the first boat out heading to Santander would be on Tuesday. Um, 24 hours on a boat, that gets you to Wednesday. They've got to drive 500 miles when they get there. There's no time to set everything up. It's just not going to happen. And you can't get 300 trucks on one boat. It's all well, down. You probably could, but it would sink. <laughs> it's all down to France, really. So we need to all start treating Roman Grosjean a little bit better. No, because so that- he's Swiss. Oh, is he? No. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a Franco-Swiss. But no, it's not down to... It's, it, it's down to the French not wanting um, the virus to come across the border. And I have no problem with that at all. Because why would you, you know, why would you want to have people coming across the border? Right now, the border's open, and any Catalan can come across the border and and go <sighs> over the locals, and you know, start another pandemic in, down in France. France has already gone through a lot of pain. They did a terrific job first time around, much better than over here. Um, and you know, they, they they don't want it to happen again. So the border was closed for from mid March until. Uh, in the later part of June. So, you know, uh, they will do it again if they think it's getting bad enough. I haven't looked at the statistics today to see what the um, infection rates are, but the infection rates are not good in, in Catalonia, certainly. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed. Um, we can just have twelve in Silverstone. Uh, that was that was offered. We hear. No, I don't believe that for a minute. But I did actually ask Stuart Pringle at the weekend. Um, Stuart Pringle is what's his role? He's the MD of Silverstone. I did actually ask him, can he run a third race? Um, because <laughs> there is a serious problem. If yeah, I know it sounds silly, but if the Spanish Grand Prix is cancelled. Ferrari 1000th Grand Prix becomes Ferrari 999th Grand Prix, which kind of screws it up. And there's no other free weekend to do it. So they've only got the one weekend in which they have to fit a race in to make sure that Mugello is the 1000th Grand Prix for Ferrari. Um, So it is a problem. And because it would be a bit silly, isn't it? We're celebrating Ferrari's 999th Grand Prix. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So what did he say? He he said we could do it. Um, the only thing is there was an MSV Formula Three and maybe, ah. I don't know if it's, I don't think the touring cars were involved in it, but there, there is a, but they, they would be moved out and they know they would be moved out if that was needed. They've already been told that. So, um, and you, you know, you have to accept it because the Grand Prix is bigger and better, um, than the MSV Formula Three championship, which is you know un- unkind, but true. Um, so Yes, there's a possibility of us all doing that and staying another week here. But there are other problems as well, which is, for example, um, with the Spanish situation as it is, anyone who goes to Spain uh, coming back into England would have to go into quarantine, even under an elite sport uh, ruling, I believe that is now the case, uh, because 
Um, it's the change in the Foreign and Commonwealth Office advice, and there are questions over insurance as well. But and if you go into if you go into quarantine when you come back from Spain, um, it's quite difficult to get to Spa after that. Joe, are you clicking a pen? No, nope. no. Put all of the pens it's out. Re- it's that Matt. I'll bet it's not me. Remote uh, producing for us uh, today, um, and no Stuart Neal in the in the chat room. He says, "Is Joe downloading all of Miss Apex's secrets when uh, well whilst you're in the shed?" How would I know how to do that? I was going to say you're <laughs> the only person who ever sends me a text, uh, an SMS. Without that, I could delete the text app from my phone. Keep expecting carrier pigeons to go. What time is the podcast starting? Coo. <laughs> <laughs> Should we move on to uh, another question? Mm. I'm afraid people can't quite get away from uh, Racing Point as uh, Brandon has texted us, uh, tweeted us, sorry, I've got text on the brain now, and says, um, what is the reserve situation at Mercedes and Racing Point going outside to Holkenberg since Van Dorn had uh, Formula E obligations? Then what good is keeping Gutierrez reserve if he doesn't have a super license? It was it was weird with all the speculation before Holkenberg was announced and all the different possibilities and connotations. But it does sort of seem like the reserve driver role is a little defunct. And I'm trying to remember the last time an, an actual designated reserve driver jumped into the spot and not some external, uh, you know, driver from another team or a former driver. Um, probably that. I pulled the rest, I think, was the Williams reserve driver when he jumped in for whoever it was he jumped in for. Um no, normally, if there's a reserve driver, that's what happens. But in this particular case, Stoffel was in Berlin getting ready for the Formula E. So he couldn't do the two races together or the one. It depends what Perez is allowed to do. Um, and Gutierrez didn't have a super license. Now, as I understand it, they had a pretty good go at getting George Russell, although they're not admitting that. Um, I think they they certainly asked him, you know, is it going to be possible? And I think probably William said no. Um, and probably Mercedes said we can't be bothered to get involved in all this, um, because Mercedes could could say to Williams, you know, do it. But you know, maybe they don't care enough about whether George has a run in a Racing Point or in a Williams. Who knows? Whatever. But you know, it, it, put yourself into Otmar Zafnauer's shoes and say, right, well, who would you get if your your lead driver and your main challenger um, isn't there? What are you going to do? And Hulkenberg's a pretty good – I mean, I think he did a terrific job. Yeah, I mean, obviously, on Sunday, something went wrong and he didn't get to race. But He's cursed. That's not his fault. Yeah, I, I, think, I think he did a, a very, very decent job um, in the circumstances because it's very, very hard. All the systems they have, all the things you've got to learn. They didn't have a lot of time. Um, they had to go through all the COVID testing stuff as well. And so I think he did a, a very solid job. Um, now, maybe George would have been a better choice, um, but somebody who doesn't know the systems and hasn't been in the simulator, and because I mean, the other thing is, you know, you don't just jump in the car and do it. Hulkenberg arrived, flew in, went straight into the simulator, as far as I can understand it, um, and, and they had a number of lessons, lessons, a number of sessions in the, in the um, simulator, getting to know the car, how it behaved, what you had to do, et cetera, et cetera. And that was on... Uh, I guess that would be Thursday evening, um, probably quite late into the night, I would think, because he arrived sort of seven o'clock on Thursday, I believe, in England. Ah, <laughs> he was on his way to the Nurburgring to drive a Lamborghini Huracan or something, and he got the phone call. He was at Cologne Airport and uh, basically just went, "Yep, I'll do that," and uh, dumped the dumped the Lamborghini, got on another airplane. I presume it was private because airplanes don't usually fly at the moment you need them. Um, and uh, arrived in in Britain at about seven o'clock in the evening. Yeah, well, you know, it, it must be disappointing if you're Gutierrez uh, from that point of view. Uh, but does this not lend a sort of a wider issue where perhaps teams should have a reserve driver designated from junior series or something like that? And does the super license system mean that really we're not set up for reserve drivers at all? But Perez isn't going to be the last person to test positive for COVID uh, in the 2020 season. And it sort of highlighted a bit of a, a, a weakness in the, in the system. Yes and no. Um, I mean, Gutierrez and, and Van Dorn are shared test drivers. 
They're shared between three teams. They're shared between Mercedes, McLaren, and Racing Point. So that way they're saving money. They don't have to pay for another one. Williams, on the other hand, have got a whole raft. They've got a busload of test drivers and reserve drivers, and most of them don't have super licenses. And one of these things, uh, a reserve driver is a means of making money for a Formula One team. You basically say to some fairly average uh, Formula Three or two driver, you know, you can be our test driver if you pay us X million or X half a million, whatever it is. And that's money in the bank. So, I mean, if you look at the Williams, I can't even remember all the people involved, but there's there, there's, there's four of them at least, I think, um, who've got reserve driver roles. And maybe some of them do some work in, a, in, the, uh, in the simulator, that sort of stuff. But there's also teams that have got simulator drivers you don't know about. Um, you know, they don't bother to ever announce them. They're just, you know, good people who do the work for them without needing to wear the shirt excellent right let's go to uh let's go to another question and i'm assuming that's going to definitely be hulkenberg at least for the next weekend's race so we wish him well and hope he gets um hope he gets um, an actual drive out this time uh wm ryan asks why do you think racing point was so underwhelming last weekend is checo critical to the team finding the right setup or a needed benchmark for Lance? And uh, what's your... Yeah, we, we've already done um, your take on the team potentially dumping him. Yeah, they did seem a bit underwhelming, Joe. Well, there, there's a couple of things in there. One is that um, the car wasn't as competitive as it has been. Why? Interesting question. Um, but there was something... Uh, I don't know if wrong is the right word, but basically uh, they just weren't going as fast as they, they had been. Uh, on the various settings that they got for Silverstone. Secondly, um, they qualified using mediums, and uh, you know, as to try to get a good strategy for the race. And thirdly, Lance Stroll is just not as good a driver as, as Sergio. So you know, fundamentally, they were they were hobbled. Uh, I think they'll be better this next week. Um, we'll see. The car is quick, but you know. Ferrari, Charles Leclerc is making the Ferrari look half decent, and Ferrari is not half decent. Ferrari is a dog. It barks when it goes around the circuit. Um, and uh, But Charles is making it happen because he's getting every single uh, opportunity. He grabs it. So if there's a safety car, you know, Charles closes up and, and all the time he's lost. But don't forget, uh, at the end of the race at Silverstone, Charles, before all the pun- puncture started to happen, Charles was a good... 45 seconds behind Lewis. Mm. So, you know, the fact that he ended up finishing wherever he finished, um, second, I think, was it? I can't remember now. It's only about four days ago. My brain is gone. Um, but, you know, you've just got to grab every opportunity. And, and to be fair, I think he's done a terrific job, apart from obviously Styria, where he ran into Vettel. And Hungary completely lost on what was going on in the car. In fact, he was so lost that he thought there was something broken in the car or something was wrong with the car because he said it's just not the same car as I had in qualifying. And that may have been the case. I don't know um, if they have found out what was wrong with it in Hungary. Nobody's asked the question. Um, and I haven't been able to ask the question as yet. Um, but, you know, I think he's done a terrific job getting the most out of anyway, Ferrari is fourth in the Constructors' Champion and looks half decent. And, um, you know, so that is not really a true reflection of the... My telephone's just going off. <laughs> Hang on a minute, I'm just going to kill it. I, I could mute it and spare his blushes. Who is it? If it's Toto, answer it. I can't tell you who it is, but it's interesting. Oh, if you need to nip out, I can amuse... I can tell them stories about... No, no, I, I'll call back afterwards, but it's someone who's got something interesting to say, I'm sure. The local radio mode, and I can ask people if they prefer jam or cream on the scone first or not. What, what, tea or milk? Tea or milk? Hang is it just me, or do I prefer tea before milk? I'm stalling. Look, he's looking at a text. It's going to be in- interesting information. Coming. No, no, I was just, I was just turning off the, um, turning <laughs> off the volume. So when it rings back again, okay. um, and in fact, I, I think actually I didn't succeed. I think I actually answered the call. So whoever it was um, was probably listening in to what was going on. So hopefully he's realised, or, or she, he, she, or it has realised that um, uh, I'm busy doing something else. But I don't know. We'll see. I'll I'll give him a ring back later on. 
um, yeah. and find out what it is they want to tell me. Got another question, a related one to what we were talking about. Uh, I'll post it in the Patreon Slack group if he tells us later. All right, well, I'll get, I'll get my boy. I'll get. Oh no, the boy's smelly and annoying. I'll get the girl to flutter her eyelids and go, Joe, please give us the secret information you just got. You just got told. Uh, Robin has a question. Who say, he says, uh, looking at the did not start the DNS with Hulkenberg, is there an argument to bring back the spare car? Surely it doesn't save much cost as the teams already carry a spare tub and all the bits to build a spare car. Um, if you have a start crash similar to Belgium 1998 now, you only get 10 cars restarting. I, I miss the T car. I miss them running back and, and scrambling into a new car. Yeah, that's, that's all very well, but it just costs a pile of money. And, um, you know the teams are trying to save money because these cars are very very expensive. So um, that's just how it is. And um, having a car that costs so much money sitting there for the use—I mean, if we have a big uh, start line kind of shunt, there's still only going to be one spare. So one of the drivers is always going to be out of the game if if the team has two drivers involved in the shunt. So ah well, fair there, enough, are, there but- are some discussions going on at the moment. I'm told. Really? About third cars in the future, which, of course, is a no-no. But Why is it a no-no? Well, because it's, it basically destroys the small teams. If you have three cars at the front, the car that could finish originally could finish. Say, say you're the fourth best team. Yeah. You can finish You can finish seventh is the best you can hope for in a normal circumstance. If everyone has three cars, the best you can hope for in a normal circumstance is 13. So, you know, it basically wipes out the small teams. So third cars are not a good idea. Um, I think that uh, Liberty Media is probably talking about that in the contract negotiations because um, you get bigger fields, but it's just not sensible to do that. And... um, you don't want to be wholly dependent on just a few teams. Otherwise, you get back into the 1930s situation where there was nobody left apart from Mercedes and Auto Union. So, and you don't want to be there. You want to be uh, having 10 good teams. Um, uh, I, I just, I want to see, I want 26 to 30 cars on the grid. I just, I don't, I don't quite feel it with a 20 car grid. You lose two cars early on or Hulkenberg doesn't start. It just doesn't feel it's me. Not, it's not economically justifiable to have that bigger uh, field. Because uh, the, the other thing is that the last 10 are utterly irrelevant in the overall scheme of things because they don't have enough money to do the job properly. They never do a, any decent result. If your best result is 18th every time, what's the point in being there? And after a while, they go bankrupt. So 20 is a sensible number. It's been proven over time to be a sensible number. Uh, it's it's a it's a sustainable number, and I just think why what is the point in having extra teams that go out of business? I mean, okay, it's colourful while they're around. You know, you get that Marussia bloke, you get uh, John Booth, John Booth coming with Marussia. You know, uh, you have the Caterham team, or you have the Americans that never showed up. Whatever, um, but what's the point? Ultimately, yeah, yeah, there's some more column inches in it, but it doesn't have any real input in Formula One. Oh boo! Well, I I'm anti that. I I like the colourfulness. I like the the dream, even though it's never really realised or fulfilled. I like that dream of someone starting from the back with a borrowed chassis, a cut and shut Formula One car, and then they claw their way to the midfield and have their day in the sun. <laughs> Joe is feigning being bored by my last monologue. No, no, no. But it, it's a bit like when I was a kid, they had this comic. I don't know if it still exists called the Victor. And the victor was always full of people who, you know, won the FA Cup final despite playing for Ellesmere Port, you know, or whatever. And they were just cartoon histories, and they were very silly, and they no, no basis in reality at all. So, yes, I, I, I understand the desire to have Ellesmere Port winning the FA Cup, but, um, you know, everyone loves an underdog, so go cheer for Sauber. That's what you, whatever they call this week, you know. Speaking of underdogs, um, let's move to Ferrari because we've got, you mentioned Leclerc earlier, um, and I got sent an Autosport article by Rodri Evans. Thank you, Rodri. And uh, he wants to know, Joe, do you have any info on this? And the headline was uh, Ferrari restructuring 
sees Bonotto step back from uh, the F1 technical role. Ferrari team principal Mattia Bonotto says the recent restructuring at Maranello has allowed him to step back from his involvement in its Formula One technical department. Um, and well, I must... That's probably a good idea, given what, they, what happened to them last year. Well, it's the, it's the um, allowed him to step back that one of the replies from Sam from Utter Shambles uh, said he's allowed to step back in the same way that my ugly face has allowed me to step back from dating models. So is this actually something he's decided or have they gone, Bonotto, you're not quite cutting it in the tech department. We'll take that away from you and we'll install this performance department. Uh, I think the whole thing's fairly nebulous, to be honest. I think... Um they needed to have a restructuring because of all the criticism going on in Italy. Uh, Bonotto didn't really have a huge role to play in the technical side before then. Or if he did, he should be ashamed of himself given what happened. But, um, you know, I don't think that's... uh, I mean, they just... I don't know why they couldn't do the logical thing and just have a normal technical director like everybody Mm. else does. But, you know, Ferrari is always different. So um, they do what they want to do. So... What can I say? Okay. Well, I mean, they are. I mean, we could we could just briefly touch on the engine stuff again because they now seem to be making noises that, well, yeah, well, we weren't cheating, we weren't cheating. Okay, fine, but everyone else was cheating as well, and they seem to be trying to deflect that onto Mercedes also. They're, they're trying to deflect attention away from everything to do with the engine. That's why they're going on about we're going to have upgrades. It doesn't matter what upgrades you bring. The car's a dog, okay? You can you can have the best aerodynamics in the world. That car is not going to win races unless Charles is driving it and taking advantage of unfortunate situations for other people. But fundamentally, that is, at best, the fifth fastest car in Formula 1. It might even be the sixth. Um, and it's, it's just, you know, there, there, there's a point at which you just say, come on, stop trying to just pull the wool over everybody's eyes or deflect attention, just get on with it. Um, and John Elkin, the chairman of Ferrari, has said we're not going to win anything until at least 2022. And I tell you what, I think he's dreaming about that too. I think we're looking at 2023 before they recover from this mess um, because of engine, engine freeze regulations. They're allowed to, they're allowed to do some uh, upgrades, um, but they've got to get them right, 100% right, to be competitive, and there's no guarantee they will. So. Um, we'll see how it goes, but I I don't see Ferrari as being a force in Formula One for a while yet. And to be honest, it's not the end of the world. F1 needs F- Ferrari. Why does F1 need Ferrari? F1 no, needs no. Ferrari that doesn't get into trouble and do stuff they did last year. I've never. I agree that. with that. Um, F1, it's good to have Ferrari, but if Ferrari is is achieving things um, which it doesn't deserve to achieve. I don't think we need to have Ferrari. All right. Well, fair enough. Let's um, have a little bit of a look ahead at, at the calendar, Joe, to finish off, because I'm, I'm sure we're reaching oven-like temperatures in that shed now. Um, we should take this opportunity before people run away, thinking the show's ending, to uh, to say where we can find uh, your things. So if you search Joe Blogs F1, you can find, amongst other things, your excellent green notebook. Um, has the green notebook sort of Joe F1 travelogue has that suffered under COVID, or are you still able to? to I can't. To... I can't give away secrets. I get, like it normally has little sort of snippets in there, and there's not many of them. But the adventures, you know, the travelling adventures of a Formula One journalist are much more interesting now than they have been. So, um, my drive back from Hungary to uh, to to France was quite entertaining, um, and I know I'll find something to write about. You know, always do. And of course. Um, we have uh, your Business Insider newsletter, mm-hmm. which can be purchased for a million pounds a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, or, man's got to live in a style to which he has become accustomed, you know. Same value as a Mist Apex custom uh, baseball cap is what I heard. I heard roughly the per same month. Sort of- yeah, about oh. that. I don't, know, I don't know how much your baseball caps are, but probably. I'm to send you one a month. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. We'll see if we can get Joe to try one on at the end of the stream as well. Uh, okay. And also, what else have we got? GP Plus um, magazine available on subscription, um, which you can get in PDF form after every Grand Prix. And, and you can get it in Flipbook as well. 
No, what? So you you run your court finger across the edges, and like a cartoon character does stuff in the corner. I like don't, you- I don't know if it does that, but basically you can you can read it online. But my view is very simple, which is if you buy a magazine, you want to actually keep it. And flipbook, you can't. So you can download the PDFs. You can put them in your own computer. You have a folder, uh, and you can even buy the archive. There's 280 copies of this magazine, so you can have an entire. Uh, archive going back 13 years of Formula One with every race and done in a way which makes sense. Because if you look at the magazines nowadays, the way they race report, it's all bullet points and and uh, breakout paragraphs, and they don't have coherent race stories anymore. Now, Grand Prix Plus is old-fashioned. It has coherent race stories. So eight years later, you can go back and actually find out what happened without having to spend the whole day reconstructing it because the magazine is useless. Um, and this is down to publishers thinking that everyone has, is so brainless they can't do more than bullet points. But um, well, it's true. I mean, they, you know, they, they, they've they've turned the, all these magazines that used to be journals of record into bullet points and breakout paragraphs. You know, so there is a problem there because, like, obviously, I don't like reading big chunks of things. So those things we've just described are, or for our other more intelligent listeners. However, if you only like reading on the toilet. Um, and only like three or four minute chunks, you do have a book of shorter, fascinating F1 facts. And if you reach over to your right, you can you can show it off on the on the camera there. Uh, you could even call it a coffee table book if you wanted. Fascinating F1 facts. Volumes one and two. And three and four are coming. Well, there you go. Fantastic. Three and four uh, are coming actually this Christmas. So really? if you're looking to buy presents for Formula One fans, uh, fascinating facts. One, two, three, and four will all be available this winter. And that is if there is a Christmas this year. I, uh, I have heard that there is some some talk of cancelling it because what's the point? Because everything else this year has been terrible. Well, Santa's probably tested positive anyway. Exactly. There you go. Uh, Rob Andrews says, Joe, are you expecting, hoping for, much chaos, uh, as much chaos as we are at Imola with just a single practice session before qualifying? And that's been confirmed, I think, today. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, it's a two-day meeting, so they can only... It's basically just knocking off the FP1 and FP2. Uh, you start with FP3, go straight into qualifying. NASCAR are going into races at the moment with no practice, no testing, no qualifying. They're pulling it out of the hat. So they're coming up with grids based on... Uh, actually, they're pulling in the top 12 out of hats. So... You know the 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 uh, elite class, if you like, are are doing it by chance, and right through the grid there are chunks where you know they're having these lotteries. But you know it's a way of doing it. It's not the way I think it should be done. Uh, but it doesn't really matter. You know what they want is to have good racing, and uh, a lottery tends to you know turn the twelve around, and maybe you get a bit better racing. Uh, I'm I'm more of a purist than that, um, uh, but. You know they want to trial to, they want to trial two day race meetings because they want to do more races in the future, and in order to fit in twenty five races a year, you've got to actually sort of create a situation which makes it logical for people to lead to lead lives outside Formula One. Um, it's not going to help any in terms of um, we're all going to have to travel the same amount or more. We're all going to have to pay because you can bet your bottom dollar that the hotels are always going to be charging four night minimums at least. Um, so we're going to be paying the same money. Um, but it's just that Liberty Media will make more money, and that's what their job is. Their job is to make people money. And, um, you know, they don't really care beyond that. Ah, uh, Well, Joe, I've got one more question lined up for you. Um, but since you've promoted your stuff and since you're going to copy what we've done recently at Missed Apex Podcast, I was hoping you didn't mind me going along to oh no oh there you go there's the hat that hat isn't available on the site at the moment as of yet that's an exclusive hat uh, for crew and treasured friends of missed apex podcast <laughs> um you can buy some merchandise mistapexpodcast.com forward slash buy stuff look for face masks and clocks and bags and all sorts really really pillows pleased. underwear loo yeah. brushes you can get the whole lot no you've ruined you've gone too no, far you can i, I think you can anyway Really? Well, I haven't had any made up, uh, but you can go and order your Missed Apex merch there. Um, the site's got a really good reputation uh, for merch. Um, I was assured by the guys at For F1 Sake podcast that it's good quality. Well, actually, when you look at the quality of their podcast, ooh, 
I tell you what, the other day, I thought I would check out the Formula One masks, officially branded masks, and they're they're very expensive and they're crap. So um, there you are. The quality is not good. Um, But, you know, you you pay a lot of money to get them because, you know, the brand is obviously worth a pile of money. But it's like sticking a sock around your face, to be quite honest. Like sticking a sock around your face. Oh dear. Uh, well, okay. We've got it. Uh, we've got it from a different site to the F1 guys. So hopefully it will be a little better than that. Now there's some questions about the the Red Bull Junior drivers here. Um, Justin says, "What's the likelihood of Albon being emptied out of his Red Bull seat? Um, if they're high, who are the likely replacements? I know there's a lot of people who want to defend Alex, but if you just take the results uh, on their face value." He's had contacts in three out of uh, six races. He's been off in practice sessions and qualifying sessions. Everything just looks horrible from the outside. Well, I, I don't think he's doing a bad job at all. I think he's he's driving through the field because he's had problems. He's still learning. Remember, he's had a he, he hasn't had as much um, experience out of the limelight. You know, he did half a season with Toro Rosso half a season with Red Bull, and now we're into the third or fourth race, um, fifth race, rather, of this world championship. And he's up against Max Verstappen. That's another minor point, you know, he is, who is a bit special. So I don't think, I don't think Alex is doing a bad job at all. Uh, you can argue about the various accidents and whose fault it was and all the rest of it, but sometimes it's not Alex's fault. Sometimes it is, and that's true of some of the things that have happened to him as well. But I think he's doing a solid job. He's certainly psychologically stronger um, than Gasly was. And the other thing is, yeah, they've got some people coming up, but to be quite honest, if you had, if, if I had to name who the young drivers of Red Bull are at the moment, I think I might be struggling. Um, there is a Japanese kid who's quick. He's very, very quick. But he seems to have incidents. He's, he's been fastest in lots of um, sessions, but he hasn't produced a big result yet. Sonoda is his name. Um, he does tend to collide with things. Um, it, there's a guy called Liam Lawson who's in Formula 3, and there's one called Dennis Hauger, who's a Norwegian. And um, so they're the ones I can think of at the moment. But they're all a long way out from Formula 1 at the moment. So, you know, they're not going to rehire Vettel. Uh, it doesn't make an awful lot of sense. Um, and they basically wiped out too many drivers. Um, you know, that's why they had Hartley back. and. And you have to say, you know, how's Danny Kvyat doing, you know, as well? So um, we'll see. I think it would be wise for Red Bull to keep what they have and allow those those things to mature with Alex. Because Alex is cool about, you know, he, he's not phased by being up against Max. He's not, um, he's not phased by trying to drive around the outside of Lewis Hamilton. You know, um, he's not phased by anything. So basically, he's a cool dude. He comes from Asia, Asia in England. Um, but well, he, yes, he, he, you know, he is a. There's a lot, lot of positives about him. Obviously, you're going to have the media screaming, "Going to get him in because," you know. But to be honest, I don't think it would be wise to do that after ten minutes. Um, see him, you know, see how he does for the rest of the year. I think. Eventually, fairly soon, he's going to produce a really big result. I don't think he's going to beat Max because Max is special, you know. And and I think we've seen that this year um, on a number of occasions. Max is really spectacularly special, just as Charles is as well, and Lewis and Valtteri's nearly special, um, you know. And and we have to find out exactly where Alex fits into that. But bear in mind also that. Formula One teams don't want two special drivers in a team because as we've seen at Ferrari last year, it doesn't work. It just creates problems. Um, Now, it's good if there's one team totally dominating things. It's good to have teammates fighting one another to keep the interest level up, as we had with um, Rosberg and Hamilton a few years ago. But, um, you know, it's not something that teams benefit from, really. If you look at what happened last year with Ferrari, um, they lost a lot of points because the two drivers kept tangling. Yep, yep. But we have to remember with drivers like Albon, you know, sometimes, you know, you look to a young driver who's crashing and making a lot of mistakes like Grosjean, 
and you just have to give them a bit of time and patience and they turn oh no hang on that wasn't correct oh. yeah no no but it well you can look at other examples where they have matured um, yes just happen yeah. that's a good one actually most young drivers are like that most young drivers make mistakes early on in their careers that they, they think and they learn from them you know so the good ones we'll see charles made a few mistakes as well along the way too you know he's not he's not uh, uh saint francis of assisi or whatever you know joe i'm told there's some scones with your name on them. So we're going to have to get out of the shed uh, now. Thank you once again for joining us on Missed Apex Podcast. And uh, you are in control of of the shed right now, and you know the button. <laughs> Sorry. launches the outro music. It's the same button. Do you want to have a go at, at seeing us out with some kind of DJ style talking over the musicness? You press the button, and then you've got about seven seconds to say who we are, what we've been doing. No, I'll, I'll leave that to you. All right, fine. Hit you, the you, you got the voice, you know. You were listening to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward and me, Spanners, on Miss Apex Podcast. Goodbye. That's all right. Yeah, it feels quite studio in there, doesn't it, Joe? With those headphones, you can hear your own voice coming roaring back towards you. I have that at home too, you know. No, it's better. Mine's better. No. Ah, t- next time you're here, <laughs> look, look, look to your right, Joe, and the, you can see my little sim rig there. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Inside F1 with Joe Sayward. Thanks for listening. I'm off to relax in my hammock. If you want to relax in a beautiful hammock like the one I have, then go to sleepyhammock.co.uk. Sleepyhammock.co.uk for all your hammock needs. Hammocks are awesome. You don't need trees to hang them off. It comes with its own stand thing. Sleepyhammock.co.uk I can barely finish saying this because I'm already relaxed by the thought of going into my lovely, lovely hammock. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.